0: the norm for me was so convoluted and depressive that I did not understand what a happy normal life looked like. And so I remember crying to my mom and saying, you ask me to be healthy, but I don't know what that is. I don't have a picture of it. I don't have a mental image of it. So how am I supposed to work towards something that I don't know what that looks like? And so I tell people if they are feeling in that way of just complete bogged down by their mental illness, find something outside of yourself to fight for. You don't have to fight for yourself if you can't feel that at that moment. I fought for my husband. That's what I did. I had an external person, an external mission until I gathered enough strength to then flip it and fight for myself.
1: Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari Method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show.
2: It's only been within the last generation or so that people have felt safe discussing the experience of living with mental health issues. While openness is very welcome, we still have far to go when it comes to acceptance as a society and even within ourselves. It's even more challenging when we want to create a life that sparks joy while facing symptoms that are working against our serenity. Our guest today is Scout Sobel. Scout is an entrepreneur in the public relations management field and a fellow podcaster. Scout started Scout's agency with an emphasis in podcast PR and 90% female clients. This did not come without its own trials and tribulations. Scout has been living with a severe case of bipolar disorder for 14 years. She was once unable to hold a job, go to school, or function in today's society. These experiences led her to host her own podcast, Scout, which is all about solo episodes of her tackling a mental health topic with a dose of entrepreneurship.
0: Welcome to Squap Joy Scout. Thank you so much for having me. What a beautiful intro.
3: Thanks so much, Scout, for coming on our show. We have the privilege of speaking to many people about how to overcome obstacles and find joy in spite of great challenges. So we're thrilled to speak with you about your own journey towards finding wellness. Your PR firm works largely with women and promotes women's voices in the media. So tell us a bit about your background. How did you get started in that work?
0: Yeah, so it's an interesting story. I've had an entrepreneurial journey since I was 22. I started my own magazine and we sold it in Barnes & Noble and newsstand locations across the country and had musician Halsey on our third cover. And from there, I had caught the entrepreneurial bug and I went through so many different phases of my career but as i found myself working a day job i really realized that being my own boss and starting my own thing was really where my destiny lied so i had started a podcast with my sister called okays's podcast where we interview different women and most of my career had really been surrounded by women i've actually only worked with two men in my entire life and i have always been a big feminist and really enjoyed the feminine energy in the workplace and so falling in love with the podcast sphere. I had this idea to help represent podcasters by getting big guests, by getting them as guests on other podcasts. And I also threw in traditional PR. And so after I had the idea, my mind went totally nuts. And I had a media kit created. And I emailed like 1,500, 1,000 to 2,000 podcasters and signed my first 10 clients. And from there, the company grew exponentially. I now focus not only on podcasters, but also female brands, businesses, authors, and companies and kind of go more towards podcast PR and traditional PR and have since hired an employee, made a six-figure revenue in our first year. And it's been a wild journey, that's for sure.
2: I come from a behavioral health background. I started my professional career as a clinical psychotherapist. So I'm extremely interested in knowing more about your own journey Toward wellness and you know some of the symptoms that you might have experienced, uh, maybe some of our listeners are not familiar with bipolar disorder.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I am actually diagnosed as bipolar type 2 disorder. And type 2 disorder means that you lean more heavily towards the depressive side versus the mania side. So I struggle with symptoms of hypomania, which is just basically acute mania. Bipolar disorder type 1 is much more lean towards the mania side. So, depression is really kind of my main symptom. But my symptoms over the years have ranged from depression, anxiety, hypomania, catatonia, which, for those who are unfamiliar, essentially you get so anxious that your nervous system shuts down and you become paralyzed for five seconds, five minutes, 10 hours. You know, I was in bed one time for an entire month. And so that was a really scary experience because we thought it was a neurological disease, but it was tied towards my bipolar disorder. I also have a lot of experience with psychosis. So I feel intense paranoia and voices in my head, a lot of suicidal ideation over the years. And it really started when I was 14. That's when I had my first depressive episode. And since then, I have had to quit jobs. I've dropped out of college. I literally went to one, two, four different colleges and I ended up dropping out anyways for a career move. But it really it put a dent on my life in the sense that I think people see me now. And I think people saw me then as a normal girl because I was so good at hiding it. I think that a lot of people think bipolar is you're mean one second and you're nice the next. And that's just a misconception that the media has portrayed. You know, you see movies where someone's being mean and they're like, oh, she's so bipolar. And that's really not the case. My bipolar never affects the way I treat other people, you know, except the people really close to me who have to deal with my depressive episodes. But you'll never find me at a dinner during a really bad depressive episode being mean to people or lashing out. It's really an internal struggle that I've led my life with. But, you know, over the years, I've been able to have a mental resilience, but it came before I was 5150. I was an inpatient, which is essentially where they put you on a legal hold for 24 to 70 six or 78 hours and I've done outpatient twice. I've been on every medication possible. It's been a journey for sure. I think that there was definitely a point in my life where my doctors, therapists, and family didn't know if I would be able to hold a job, let alone own my own business. And so it has been a challenge, but I can say standing on this side of the area or area, I don't know what to call the journey, I suppose, it is worth every second of turning inward and figuring out how to change your life.
2: It is just so amazing to hear about how far you've come. Some of these symptoms that you've described, I'm sure for our listeners, almost hard to imagine that someone who is as high functioning as you are and doing the things that bring you great joy in life could come from feeling from the depth of despair to who you are now. And I think there's just so much stigma attached to what it means to have a behavioral health issue or a mental health illness. So it's, I think, so great for people to be able to see that there is hope on the other side. And you described something that I I know is, is really familiar to people who have struggled with these issues, and that is the journey to recovery can be very long. For most people who have gone through a severe episode, they've tried so many different medications. Unfortunately, our ability to diagnose and treat is still rather primitive. There aren't a lot of tests to determine what kind of treatment might work best for someone. So there's just so much trial and error. It is really hard and getting started for a lot of people is really the first and most difficult step and certainly something that causes a lot of people to feel very alone. What do you suggest or how did you get help initially and how would you suggest someone who feels that they're having symptoms that are troublesome begin to look for help?
0: Yeah, so I had my first depressive episode when I was 14 and I was immediately put in therapy. And just because you're put in therapy and have meetings with psychiatrists and take a 500-question test that pretty much puts you on the border of clinical and chronic depression, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing the work inside, right? So you can just be showing up to these appointments, doing what you're supposed to, what your family asks you. But that doesn't mean that you're working on it inside. And so it really wasn't until I started dating my now husband, then boyfriend, who actually is about to be nine years sober, who has walked a recovery path. When we first started dating, he knew of my bipolar disorder and the severity because I was really in the depths of it as we started dating. And he said to me, he said, I don't care if you're depressed. If you are depressed and hopeful, I can work with that. If you're depressed and hopeless, this doesn't work for me. And all of a sudden, it was like a a light bulb went off in my head. I said, what if I just woke up with a little bit of hope? What if I just woke up with a little bit of faith, right? How would that change my perspective on the way I view this? And I also had gotten to a point where I had lost jobs, internships, and my college experience. And I was not going to lose him. I was at that point where I could not lose one other thing. You can call it rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. And so I got really serious. And I started looking up support groups And I started reading books and I started, I did the 12-step program for Depressions Anonymous and I started reciting the serenity prayer and practicing gratitude every day and actually taking my therapy sessions quite seriously. And if there was some part of me that didn't understand what I was fighting for because The norm for me was so convoluted and depressive that I did not understand what a happy normal life looked like. And so I remember crying to my mom and saying, you ask me to be healthy, but I don't know what that is. I don't have a picture of it. I don't have a mental image of it. So how am I supposed to work towards something that I don't know what that looks like? And so I tell people if they are feeling in that way of just complete bogged down by their mental illness, find something outside of yourself to fight for. You don't have to fight for yourself if you can't feel that at that moment. I fought for my husband. That's what I did. I had an external person, an external mission, until I gathered enough strength to then flip it and fight for myself. So this
2: sounds to me that there was really a lot of just focusing on what you could control, which was maybe not the emotion, but even the thought process It said, not that I feel hope at this moment, but maybe I could feel hope. And that's really an interesting way of looking at it, an interesting perspective. I, I think so much of our ability to improve something that we want to change about ourselves really starts with just this idea that maybe I can feel differently or be differently.
3: We're all spending a bit more time at home these days for the health and safety of ourselves, our family, and our community. Are you feeling a little too close to your clutter for comfort? Maybe you're buried under stuff in the home office or craft space, or you're trying to carve out dedicated space for work or homeschool in your basement or on your dining room table. Or maybe you've noticed just how much time you're wasting looking for important papers and emails instead of shifting your time, energy, and resources towards the things that truly matter. During quarantine, my number one priority is to get as many people as possible clutter-free and prepared for the other side of this challenging season. If you're regularly asking yourself, where should I put this? Or am I letting go of enough? Or am I even doing this right? As you KonMari, a customized virtual tidying experience may be the perfect next step for you. While stay-at-home ordinances are activated, I'm continuing to offer virtual kanmari based active tidying lessons, including a tidy desk special, perfect for those working or learning from home. Visit for ForTheLoveOfTidy.com and click Free Consult, to discuss the various virtual organizing options available to help you dig out and choose joy once and for all.
2: We are all about finding joy at work these days. Marie Kondo's book under the same name came out this last spring where she talks a lot about applying some of these ideas and the method to our workplace And given that you have such a a busy and active growing practice in your PR firm and certainly with your podcast, what are some of the ways that you find joy in the work that you do?
0: Yeah, I find so much joy in the work that I do. I mean, I don't understand why anyone would want to do anything that doesn't bring them joy and fulfillment. That's my number one kind of metric for life, right? Does this fulfill me? Does this fill me with joy? Do I have inspiration? Do I want to create One, I surround myself, my team are people that I love, trust, respect, and that I am inspired by on a daily basis. I take a lot of consideration into how I am as a boss and what kind of work environment I really do want to create and how that translates into work productivity and the energy that's surrounding the workspace. So that's really great. And then also there's a huge level of confidence that comes. You know, Ed Milet says that Self-confidence comes from keeping the promises that you make to yourself. So when you show up to work, whether you're an employee or a boss or whatever position you're in, an executive, a VP, if you keep that promise to yourself of I'm going to show up every day and do a good job, you gain such a level of self-confidence that you're capable and competent. And then you can take it a step further and find the creativity and the inspiration that comes from your work. And you can stretch your brain and say, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? And so I think the best part about my job is that I'm really creating something. So I have the capability to say, well, I want it to go in this direction or I want it to go in that direction. But I also really value the people on my team and and their understanding of what they want for their lives. You know, I have a very self-employed mindset in my team, which is that they can take this job as far as they want in the sense that they really are working for themselves in their future. So I think that I find joy in the fact that I'm building something with my own two hands. I find joy in the fact that I'm able to surround myself with a group of women that are so powerful in my mind. And I find joy in the fact that I help other women tell their story, whether it's through podcasting or traditional media, whatever they're working on, I figure out a way to get their story in front of as many people as possible.
3: I imagine that staying organized also is probably a key part of managing the symptoms of mental health challenges and at home and at work. Do you have some self-care tips that you found work best for reducing the organization-based challenges you faced at home or at work?
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Too many. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) So for work, I color code my calendar. Everything goes into my calendar. Every little thing, every call I have, every appointment I make, every to-do list I have, it's all in my calendar. Therefore, I don't have to bog my mind down with what do I have to do today and what's going on today. I mean, I put something in the calendar and I don't even think about it till the day before because I don't you know, need to consume my mind with trying to memorize my calendar. So it's all in there. If someone says, hey, can you reach out to me in three weeks about this story? I put it in my calendar as a reminder in three weeks and then three weeks comes along and I'm like, oh yeah, that thing that I would have totally forgotten about. And that works for me, right? So I think finding a way to be super organized so you can put the energy of your mind towards the things that matter versus necessarily the organizational structure of your day. A lot of self-care tips that I do, if I feel overwhelmed by my workload, I journal. Journaling is my number one way to get my thoughts organized, not my business schedule, but my thoughts organized. If I feel anxious in the middle of the day or stressed in the middle of the day, I whip out my journal and I just write. Without judgment, subconscious, all this stuff. And I just write, write, write. And so I can move that energy out of me. But I have so many self care tips like meditation and essential oils and all of that good stuff, cupping, a lot of holistic stuff. But really, when I go to work, like for example, when I drive to work, I always listen to a motivational podcast just to get me into that inspirational, productive mindset. You know, we listen to music to put ourselves in a certain mood, like why don't foster that into the beginning of your day to really get yourself to a point where you're inspired and productive by the time you walk into the office. So it's really about, I don't want to say the word control, but I want to say maybe the word enhancing my mental state throughout the day to make sure that it's organized and feeding the bigger picture.
3: The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone extend your tidying experience by joining the spark joy club our online community filled with our clients fellow listeners and kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey
2: if you find yourself buried under clothing stuck on storage or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all
3: Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion.
2: Visit SparkJoyPodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. I think it's so important what you just said about this idea that it's really a management problem as opposed to a, you know, those There are most chronic behavioral health issues don't really have a cure. They're just like any other kind of chronic illness and they're really about managing on a day-to-day basis and really understanding what works for you and what will help you achieve your goals and get through the day and feel positive and energized and productive is really the key. So those are some excellent tips I think will be very helpful for people even if they are not managing behavioral health issues. But getting back to this idea of what it is like to experience some of the things that you have, you were really young when you were first diagnosed and probably had the support of a family around you, but not everyone does. What do you suggest people do if they are concerned about some of the symptoms or maybe they're listening to you and they're able to relate to some of the things that you've experienced?
0: I would say if you're listening and you think that you might be dealing with a mental illness, I would, one, get a therapist that you trust. And when you do get a therapist, don't think that the first therapist that you get is the one that you have to stick with. I actually would encourage you to interview them for the first session. Get really clear on what you want out of a therapist, what you want out of your healing journey, and really interview them in a sense. And then not only that, but before you go on your healing journey, get really clear about what you want to do here and how you want it to look and what your goals are for the future. There's no other way to say it other than you have to be your biggest rock. People can take care of you and help you as much as they can, but there's a limit to that. I have an incredible support system beyond. I am so, so lucky. But I've come to a point in my life where... You know, my husband came home one day and he said, because I was really suicidal and it killed me. He said, well, how do you think it feels to come home and not know if your wife's going to be alive or not?
2: Mm, wow.
0: It's like, what if I got diagnosed with terminal cancer every three months for you? And it just hit me. I couldn't believe that that was his reality because of me. So I realized that my disorder was affecting so many other people in such an intense, impactful way. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't reach out because especially in the beginning, reach out, reach out, reach out, tell someone how you're feeling, call your best friend, find your biggest confidant, tell them what's going on. By no means am I saying to keep this a secret because that is not how you're going to achieve a balanced, healthy lifestyle. But you do have to take accountability for the fact that this is your life. This was the cards that you were dealt and you have to find a sense of acceptance because without acceptance, all you're doing is playing the victim. And what happens when you play the victim is you become more depressed and more depressed and more depressed. And I promise it doesn't serve you. There's no part of playing the victim that serves you. So tell the closest people to you, I need your support, but also find something within yourself that says, I got me and I'm going to fight, and I got this. So it's a balance. It really is a balance.
3: And Scout, we love your podcast, which is called Scout, appropriately. And on your show, you tackle mental health topics and entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit about that project and how that emerged.
0: Yeah. So I started Scout because I started with my sister on my other podcast talking a lot about my bipolar disorder and my mental health journey. And I had been on a few other podcasts talking about it. I guess I'm willing to share every little detail of my journey so much that people connect to it. And in my other podcast, I just didn't feel as if that was the main message of the podcast. I co-host it with my sister and she doesn't deal with those mental health issues. So I decided to create Scout, which is a podcast. It's just solo episodes, no interviews, And it's really just me tackling certain issues like how to deal with uncertainty or how to love yourself, how to deal with anxiety, um, really mental health perspective mindset shifts that you can make. And it's not necessarily for people who struggle with mental illness because I've found that so many of the teachings that I've learned along my wellness journey really apply to people that are just dealing with everyday emotional issues. I've just been able to dedicate so much of my life towards resolving these issues that I felt that I could share the inspiration of where I've come from for those either suffering from a mental illness or those just that need a little bit, as you guys preach, joy in their life, You know, organizing their life, organizing their mind and their thoughts and controlling the chaos that happens. So I started Scout Podcast, and honestly, it's such a release for me, right? I get to go in the mic and just really energetically talk about the topics that have completely healed me. And so I'm really passionate about it in that sense.
3: Well, we're so glad that you're sharing your story with us today and being so transparent and honest about a topic that is pretty uncomfortable for most to really talk through Usually during this time in the show, we typically ask our guests uh, what their favorite tidying tip is. But if you have a favorite self-care tip instead of an organizing tip, you can share that. Whatever you'd like to share, as long as it's your favorite.
0: (laughs) Well, I actually do have somewhat of a tidying up trick from the method. It's that look at everything in your life, which she talks about clothes really in the book but you can really apply it to anything, right? Look at something. Do you love it? Does it bring you joy? It's a yes or no question. And if it doesn't, it's out, right? Set that standard for your life, right? Like if doing this brings you joy, do it more. If doing this doesn't bring you joy, don't do it. Unless it's taxes, then you have to do it. But the things (laughs) that you can let go, you know what I mean? Let them go. And so I, when I read her book, I really applied it to an energetic space of what's surrounding you and how that affects your energetic field. Think about it with your thoughts, right? If a thought isn't giving you joy, replace it with one that does. You know, you have the power to swipe it away. It's a difficult practice to master, I know, but you do have the power to do that. So I think that even when you're thinking about tidying up and organizing your closet, you know, you can kind of use that as a metaphor for your life and the energy that you allow in and out. And so that's something that I've done every day. If it doesn't give me, I say fulfillment, other people say joy. If it doesn't give me fulfillment, it's not in my daily life. End of story.
2: I love that you have been able to apply that criteria that we, you know, traditionally think of as applying to objects to the more important areas of your life, like what you're spending your time doing and your energy doing and what you're giving your attention to. So that is super great. A really great tip. So tell us, Scout, what is sparking the most joy for you today?
0: Okay, so today what is sparking the most joy is that I and this is not this is totally true. This is my second like content creation thing of the day, and I have just been able to connect with women like you, and then I got to connect with this other woman earlier. That's the biggest joy, right? Coming together and being able to have a conversation around things that really mean something to people while also creating this connection with other women out there in the world that are doing incredible things and spreading incredible messages. So that's always at the forefront in my mind. Whenever I get a chance to connect with other women that I don't know, it brings me immense joy. Oh, I love that. Well, we're so glad to have you on the show. Tell us, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. That's S-C-O-U-T-S-O-B-E-L. My DMs are always open. I have actually gotten on the Phone with some of my listeners who are having mental health crisis. I am not a therapist, disclaimer, but I have kind of guided them and provided a support if you know their family isn't supportive and such. So, my DMs really are open towards any sort of you know if you just want to tell me you're having a bad day, it's always open. I also have my email on there if you want something more long form. And in my bio, you can find out about Scout's agency. You can find out about Scout podcast, Sis OK podcast. You can find my dog's Instagram there if you want some keyness for <laughs> your life. Everything is there. Well, thank
2: you so much, Scout. It's been really a joy to hear about your journey and much success in the future to you as a podcaster and with your PR firm. It sounds like you're just doing some amazing things. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I loved
3: this. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life.
2: Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach
3: others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club.
2: Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click Join the Club to become a member of the Spark Joy community or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in,
3: and we hope your day sparks joy.
1: Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari consultant community.